right, well, we are going to, I'm going to do a little introduction, but we're going to start off in Exodus 32, if you do want to follow along there, and we should also have overheads as well for you. Let me go ahead and pray really quick and get and start into this. Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you for every person able to make it. Uh, as Eddie said, Lord, be with everyone who's uh, out sick or uh, struggling today. Just ask your, ask your Lord that this is delivered faithfully the way you want it, Lord. That you speak what you want said in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so I like to, I always try to be transparent up here. And there's probably two or three other messages that I'm working on that I would have rather preached today than this one. But when the Holy Spirit just gives you something and just is like, nope, this is it, and there is not a plan B. This is it. This is what you're supposed to speak. And you got to do it. You got to do what he gives you. So the title of the message today is Stick to the Plan. And how many times have you seen, uh, at least for me, I know TV or a movie, and it maybe it's like a Hollywood heist movie or a spy movie, and they're trying to do something, and things aren't going well, and somebody has to has to yell to the rest of the team, stick to the plan. Yeah, it, it, yeah something's happened they didn't expect. It was like, hey, st- stick to the plan. And then depending on the movie storyline, whether they actually do or not, but point being, somebody has to say, hey, stick to the plan. And I want to look at some t- a couple of examples today of God gave an amazing plan when he brought the children of Israel out of Egypt and brought them to the promised land, this was an amazing plan. But there were some points where the children of Israel did not stick to the plan. I want to look at what happened there. And I want to see how, I want to show how this relates to us today. So what we're looking at when we get to, when we're looking at Exodus 32, starting at uh, verse 1, verses, with verse 1, what we're looking at, I want to give some context and some like, okay, what what are we talking about? So we know, hey, you know, Joseph way back when led uh, Jacob and all the family down to Israel and uh, down to Egypt from the land of Canaan and they multiplied. It became a huge nation in Egypt and the Egyptians enslaved them and they were slaves for generations. And God brought them out miraculously with these Ten plagues brought them through the Red Sea, wiped out the Egyptian army in the Red Sea. And the idea was we're leaving Egypt and we're going to go to the promised land. But before they did that, they had to go to Mount Sinai and get the law. So God led them to a point before before they were ready to go in the promised land. God had to do some nation building. He had to do some some work on them before they were ready to do that. He takes them to Mount Sinai. And he calls Moses up, and the rest of the people can't go up. And there's the glory of God, and it's it's really scary and overwhelming. Um, the people keep their distance, you know. And and Joshua is goes up only so far. Then Moses goes the rest of the way, and it's days and days and days that Moses is up there with God, getting this this download of the law and all kinds of things, chapter after chapter. He's gone for a while up there with God. And we hit Exodus 32, and it says in verse 1, When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, 
they gathered around Aaron. And remember, Aaron is Moses' brother, and he's the one who's to be the high priest. And they said, come, make us gods. Uh, some translations say, a god, who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us out of Egypt, we don't know what happened to him. Moses answered, answered them, take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing. Bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what was given, what was handed to him, made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. And he said, and they said, these are your gods, or some translations say, this is your God, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. So what happened here? So they're saying, hey, we don't know what happened to that Moses guy. He hasn't come back. And here we are out in the desert. What are we going to do? Say, hey, Aaron, you make us a god, and we're going to, and not just some other nation's god, you make us an idol, and we're going to give credit to this idol. This is all these miracles that brought us out of Egypt. This idol is the one who did it. This is the god who did who did it. We've lost contact with Moses, and we we don't know what to do. We're gonna we're going to change. We're going to reinvent this God and make him the way we want him. And we can and we can then go and do things the way we want to. Now the plan was God brought him out of Egypt, and he uses he used the ten plagues to demonstrate his power over the gods of Egypt. I'm not going to go into it in depth, but there was the plagues corresponded very closely to the Egyptian gods. So God was just showing, and Egypt was the premier power in the world at that time. So God was sending a message to the entire world, I am more powerful than the gods of the most powerful nation, and and take notice. Notice what, what, uh, who I am. News of this ended up spreading around all of civilization. In the meantime, he brings the children of Israel to Mount Sinai. He shows them all this, all of this, this glory, and they're terrified. Earthquakes and lightning and all kinds of things. Moses goes up into that to receive the law. And then once the plan was, okay, you're going to get this law, and you're going to be developed and, and fashioned as a nation. Then you're going to be ready to go into the promised land and do what you're supposed to do there. Where did Israel deviate? So this is between, reminder, this is between the Red Sea and before they got to the promised land where they sent the spies in. What do they do? They say, it's taking too long. Something wrong with God's plan. Moses has, has been gone too long. We don't know what's happened to him. We're going to make our own God. We're going to do. Uh, we're going to credit this idol. Now, if you as if you're a group of people, and this is what I want to point out today. Some of these things that Israel did, if you think about them in human ways, they actually make a lot of sense in, in a human mindset. If you're a people group out in the middle of nowhere. And you have to decide where you're going to go. And you need something to kind of intimidate the other nations that might want to harm you. Making a golden calf and saying, hey, you heard about those plagues in Egypt? Well, this is the God that did it. Don't mess with us. Actually makes a lot of sense. But it wasn't God's plan. 
but it makes a lot of sense. They make this golden calf, and then it starts off with, it's not a bad idea. That makes a lot of sense. Have this Exodus 32, 5 and 6. When Aaron saw this, and what he saw was that they were worshiping this calf now. They accepted the calf he made as their god. He says, tomorrow we'll have a festival to the Lord. Interesting, again, they're trying to replace actual God with, okay, we're, we're just going to change some things to fit what we want, and that'll be our God. The people rose early, sacrificed burnt offerings, and then began to indulge in eating and drinking and got up and indulged in revelry. Started off as we're just changing what God did, and then very quickly they're revering, revelry, partying so hard that Moses has to come down. Joshua thinks there's war in the camp. And Moses is like, no, that's not, that's not war. That's a party. The Levites, under Moses' leadership, end up having to kill 3,000 people just to stop the party that's out of control and in rioting. It went that fast from, uh, well, God's taking too long. We're going to change things a little bit. And before you know it, they're so far gone that, they ha- that God has to intervene through Moses and the Levites and, and kill 3,000 people just to, get, just to get things settled down, get back in line. We deviate from God's plan a little bit. Things get crazy very quickly. So, but children of Israel recovered from this and went on to the promised land. They get to the promised land. They send in 12 spies. Two of them are Joshua and Caleb, and then there's 10 more. And I know I've always read it. You kind of think, yeah, they went and scouted out the land. And then you realize when they described the cities that they went to, and it was a 500-mile round trip on foot. <laughs> like That probably took a while. Yeah. It's likely that they had spent months spying out the land, getting to know. They know the people groups. They, they bring back considerable amount of, in, of intel. They know the... A lot of the cities, they know the uh, different, even name some of the family, family um, like the Nephilim and, uh, and different families that, have, that are very powerful in that area. They actually gather a lot of information. So again, God's plan out of Egypt, build the nation around, at Mount Sinai and move into the promised land. And they say, no, we can't do it. So yeah, the land's great. The land's exactly what was promised, but it, the people there are too powerful. We can't do it. God's plan is broken again. Something's wrong with the plan. Numbers chapter 14. So 12 and 13, there's been quite a bit of time talking about the spies and what they found. So Numbers chapter 14, starting in verse 1. So the spies come back and say, can't do it. Ten of them did, of the twelve. Numbers 14.1, that night all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in, the, or in this wilderness. 
Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, We should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. The next few verses, Moses and Aaron and Joshua and Caleb, which are kind of the only guys left really on God's side at this point, are basically telling them, stick to the plan. My, my, My paraphrase of the next few verses. Basically saying, stick to the plan. God's given us this land. And verse 10 is the people's response. But the whole assembly talked about stoning them. Then the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the Israelites. And this is, again, where they begin to suffer the consequences of this choice. This is how they end up wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. The entire generation wiped out everybody over the age of 20. And and their next generation gets to inherit the promise. And I've always, me personally, always heard this taught of they wanted to go back to Egypt. You know, they were willing to go back to oppression instead of what God had for them. But is that really the case? I want to suggest to you this again in human terms. This was a good idea. You're up against an adversary you don't think you can beat. You can go back to Egypt. Egypt is is devastated. The ten plagues. They have no. They're not going to. They can't oppress anybody. Their military was destroyed in the Red Sea. Their firstborn sons, all the heirs of their property, were killed during the plagues. Their cattle was killed. Their land uh, crops were destroyed. Egypt is in a very sad shape. We don't see Egypt again until during the kings of Israel, hundreds of years later, before Egypt recovered from these ten plagues. We sometimes underestimate these ten plagues. They put Egypt back centuries for them to recover. The land of Goshen, a good good land for pastures and what the Israelites like to do for herds and stuff was spared for the most part. So what if you're the children of Israel and you're thinking, hmm, I don't think we can beat these Canaanites, but that land back there, we know that was good land. We have a force of 600,000 fighting men. Egypt can no longer oppress us. In fact, we could actually set up our own kingdom in the land of Goshen. We might even be able to annex some of Egypt because they're in, they're in no condition to defend themselves. You know, the other nations around are, are scared of our God for what he did against Egypt. This is a good idea to return back and build your own country in Goshen. You don't have to fight anybody. You know the land's good. You plundered Egypt. Egypt threw their gold at you and said, get out of here. And back in Exodus 12, you have all this wealth. Even if you are lacking something, you could buy and trade with the other nations, build your own place. Seems like a good idea. But it, was, but it wasn't because it wasn't God's plan. The point that I'm getting to with this is that when God's doing something, there are going to be opportunities where you say, this isn't working, I have a better idea. In our human minds, our human ways. And I firmly believe that God has called this church and the two campuses to really do something. 
we have had as far back as even 2017, we were having words and preaching of, of like two ships with a net and scooping up the lost and winning them to the Lord. We have had so many words spoken over this church in such a, um, to the point that uh, you guys know Micaiah Ministries that comes each year and they have a remarkable ability of speaking things. They may not even know exactly what we're going through, but they tend to minister to us right right what we need when we need, when we need it. And Kent this last time brought a message of delay is not denial. And I loved that message because it may feel like God's delaying, that doesn't mean he's saying no. Delay is not denial. It's not saying no, it's saying wait. And God took children of Israel through periods of time where he made them wait. He worked on them to, as a nation. He let them see the challenges that were ahead of them and test, tested them to see if they'd be faithful. And I believe we as a church, that God, as we are doing this two-campus thing, we kind of look around like, oh, sometimes there's some, you know, what about the crowds, or what about, what about this or that, or so forth. Now, I want to say, I'm, op- I'm optimistic. I'm I have to sometimes catch myself. I'm almost, I almost walk in sometimes and expect the rooms to be full at both places because I just feel like for years that that's what we're, what we're heading to of these few years. So sometimes I have to remind, when I walk in, I'm like, oh, oh yeah, okay. Like I'm almost expecting, see, I, I, I will be surprised if, and I'm very careful not to give any specific prophecies because I don't have any specific ones. But I, I fully expect both of these campuses to thrive and us to win a bunch of the lost. I'll be surprised if that doesn't happen. But it may take time and it might be hard (laughs) to get there. I believe that's our promised land as a church, to have two campuses, maybe more at some point, but two campuses that right now reaching these two communities that we're called to. And our church family is built of people from these two communities and I believe God's called us to make an impact in both of them and that's the promised land for us is to be two thriving churches winning the lost but to get there we may have to have some time of waiting it might feel like God's taking too long and we might have some times where we see the challenges and we look at the challenges and those challenges look too big but that's the kind of thing God does when he's shaping people to walk into a promised land. And along the way, there might be some ideas that, that sound like good ideas, but might not be God's plan. I don't have anything specifically in mind, but I just know when God, get, when God so clearly gives a message like this, that sometimes it might not be something that's even happened yet. But the title of this is stick to the plan. So there there may be some points where you where you're hearing somebody say we should give up. We should do something else. We should change what the vision that God's given us. We should uh not have done this or we should only stick with what we know. The land land of Goshen that we already knew was good. We should have just stayed there. 
I don't know what what you might hear at some point, but I just know clearly the Lord is is saying stick to the plan. And those ideas that human being that we human beings give each other, even even well intentioned good ideas, sometimes are not God's plan. I can speak from experience times where maybe I was at a job and I knew God called me to that job. But there's times I wanted to leave and there were well-intentioned believers who told me, you should, you should leave. You should go get this. You should, you should be doing something else. That just, that can't be right for you. But I knew I was supposed to stay there. If I had not, I would not have made the connections where I ended up meeting Tracy, my wife now. I had no idea that 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 was God's plan. But if I had listened to advice from well-intentioned believers, not villains or somebody trying to hurt me, but sometimes the worst advice you get are from well-intentioned Christians. (laughs) It's been true in my life. They didn't didn't mean any harm, but sometimes the worst advice you'll get is from well-intentioned Christians. Sometimes it's a like these children of Israel, somebody engineers an idea and like, this is a great idea. And it's like, hold on. Is it sticking with the plan? So that is my challenge to you today. And if the worship team wants to go ahead and come up and get ready, I've got just, I've just got one more verse to go through. But whether it is something in your personal life going on right now, or whether this message really is just focused on this church body, we got to stick to the plan. And at some point, there will probably, the, God's plan is challenged by human ideas that sound like good ideas. But stick to the plan. James chapter 4. What happens when we build our own plans in place of God's plans? And let me clarify as I'm saying this, there's there's God's overall plan, and then sometimes as we are on the journey of, of it unfolding, sometimes we have to change our, our own smaller plans or the details. You know, sometimes, yes, we know this vision, but sometimes we have to make adjustments in the actual details or expectations. That's not necessarily changing God's plan. You understand that flexibility. Sometimes we have to catch up to what God's already <laughs> already doing. What I'm talking about is when you run away from what God's called you to do and you try to do something else. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about. James chapter 4, verse 13. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this city or that Spend a year there carrying on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. This is when we make human plans in place of God's plans. And they might sound like really good ideas. 
will say, no, no, well, we're going to go and do this. And James in this verse is addressing the, the arrogance of saying, I, I'm the master of my own life, my own destiny. I will go and do this or that and so forth. And God says, no, no, no. What do you, you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. How can, you, how can you say you're going to go and do this or that? That boasting is evil. It's arrogant, schemes. We should go through life with the realization, if it's the Lord's will, this will work or that will work. Or seeking, realizing that we are not the uh, masters of our own destiny. I know for a lot of us, it's, and the world is constantly screaming at us, be the, take charge of your life and be the master of your own destiny. But in reality, we as believers, we know, we know God is the one who, who wills and does these things. So we got to constantly be submitted to him. We really don't have the right to change God's plan. We really got to submit to his plan. I'm going to go ahead and close um, with. I'm going to go ahead and close with prayer. Um, I'm not. A, I, when you get up here, you totally lose track of time. I'm. I'm sympathetic, and I apologize. Anytime I've criticized a minister, anytime in my life for taking a long time, I was wrong. Because when you get up here and speak, you totally lose track of time. <laughs> I know that now. Uh, I, but let's take some time to however the Holy Spirit wants to deal with you on this. If this is just, hey, just stick, if it's just as simple as, okay, stick with the plan, maybe there's something in your personal life you know God's called you to do, and now and it's just like, it just doesn't look possible. I, I, I've got to come up with some alternative. Let God deal with you on that today. If you need some encouragement about where our church is, be encouraged. Pray that the Lord speaks to you directly. But I, if I can encourage you in any way, there's good reason to be encouraged. I really believe God is leading us right where we're supposed to be right now. Let's close in prayer. Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you, Lord, for giving me this message even when I wanted another one. But thank you, Lord, that you know what we need better than we do. And I pray, Lord, for op- optimism and encouragement to flow through this church family. That we know we're standing where you have called us to stand. And it may take longer than we think it should take. You may have to work on us more than, you th- than we thought you would have to work on us. The challenges might look like giants, Lord. But Lord, that we have your reassurance we're standing where we're supposed to stand. And that we continue, Lord, to stick to your plan, Lord. Thank you, in Jesus' name. Amen. clarify that there may be along the way where the church leadership 
Pastor Chad, elders, things where we do have to make adjustments or changes based on our expectation, based on our expectations, or that differ from what we thought at first. But you understand that having that flexibility within, but but still chasing, still pursuing the vision that God's given us, and that's different from turning around and running away from the from the vision or, or trying to do something else. I want to clarify that when the when someone does give a, an idea because we've I know my whole life I've been taught it was so oh it was crazy for the children of Israel to think about going back to Egypt but if we were actually there how tempting of an idea would that really have been would have would have been a really tempting idea but let, let's close in prayer today and ask that you agree with me that the Lord gives us the courage and patience to pursue the vision He's given us. Lord, thank You so much for today. Lord, thank You for this message. Pray that it has the effect You desire on everyone's heart today, Lord, whether it's something they're personally going through or this church family. And Lord, give us the courage and the patience, those two things that the children of Israel struggled with, the patience and the courage, to reach the vision, the promised land that you've given us, this vision of being a thriving church that is doing ministry for you. Lord, help us to win the lost. That's that's our milk and honey. That's our land of milk and honey, Lord, is that we are winning the lost and we are encouraging believers and we're winning unbelievers. That we're doing the ministry, Lord, that you've put in our hearts. That's the milk and honey, Lord, that we ask for. In Jesus' name, Lord, thank you. Thank you for this church family. And bless this remainder of this day and the service that we give, Lord, to you this day. Amen.